This is episode number three of the MS Dev Show, a podcast for Microsoft developers covering Azure, Windows, cross-platform development tools, and more. I'm Jason Young with my co-host Carl Schweitzer. In this episode, Carl and I talk about Develop, my new audio, the close of the Nokia acquisition, Azure storage options, and more. So Carl, uh, what have you been up to lately? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I attended uh, this event by Nokia, uh, their Develop team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check out their stuff at dvlup.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they held an event in Chicago, a day-long event, uh, get people excited about developing. Uh, they had two tracks, a basic one, which is really meant for, I've never touched much code before. I've never seen the Windows Phone platform. They showed those people how to get up to speed. And they had an advanced track that really uh, concentrated on imaging and maps. Mm-hmm. And I went there um, with a couple people from work. And one of the great things about Nokia is they're really good about giving you free stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you ha- publish an app in with within three weeks of the event, they'll give you a free phone. So, wow. so this week I finally finished my app. It's uh, called JSON Viewer Pro in the Windows Phone Store. If okay. you go there, you can see what I did. Um, really what it does is it, you can type in a URL that... Uh, is linked to uh, JSON. You can, in your browser, navigate to something that uh, an, an endpoint that has JSON. Or if you have a file saved on your phone, you could tap it. All of those ways will open up my app. It'll uh, uh, pretty format it. And I've even uh, written a parser so I can do the color highlighting on all of that. Oh, that's pretty so, cool. I, this is the yep. first I've been hearing about this. I know you talked about that a while back, writing a, a JSON app like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, I, I, I thought it was really good for developers because when I came up with that uh, idea, I was doing a lot of web development where we're, we were returning JSON and we just needed a nice, easy way to troubleshoot that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I came up with this app. Um, it's a paid app, but you can do 10 transforms a day for free off the trial. That's mm-hmm. a 24-hour period. So it's totally useful without giving me money. I just appreciate it, you know, mm-hmm. if, if yeah, people definitely. did. Yeah, but, my, um, my my attitude with these types of apps is to is to just buy them, right? If there's if there's an option to buy them, they're just a few bucks. Just yep. just do it to support the de- the development community. I mean, we're all developers; just support each other. Yep. So, um, I wrote that just to you know, I thought it was a useful app and it 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 fit this challenge really well. Um, once again, just giving a nice plug out to the people formerly known as the from Nokia, but the develop guys, dvlup.com. Um, yeah. All of them are really great guys and they put on an outstanding event. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you want to talk a little bit more about that program? Yeah, I know you've talked to me about that in the past. So what yeah. is that all about? So they, they have a group of guys that uh, they call the uh, Nokia ambassadors mm-hmm. and it's their job. They have day jobs. This is something in addition to their day jobs that they go out just pushing the Windows phone platform. They answer people's questions. Um, if they don't know the questions, they try to hook them up with other people in the community. They're generally really well connected socially. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all just really top-notch guys. Mm-hmm. I know um, there's uh, some from that come from uh, Telerik that have their day jobs, some that are working at uh, Microsoft itself. There's some that uh, are freelancers, mm-hmm. but they but they all have just a real love for the platform. They're really knowledgeable people, and uh, they just want to get other people to be successful, just as they have been. Yeah, and it so, sounds like the the program in general. My understanding is it's a great way to get a whole bunch of free hardware. 
Yeah. So every um, every app that you write is generally eligible to get points, and it's pretty mm -hmm. easy to rack up points. Um, if, if you want to write something you're skilled, but you're not really good at coming up with ideas, they have challenges on their site. And uh, if you, it's it's really just a, a nice uh, software spec. Mm -hmm. uh, they have saying you need you know support all the different live tiles, have this kind of notifications. They, I mean, they really go into what you need to do. Mm -hmm. the, some of them are, are spec'd a little bit harder and a little bit more in detail. Those are worth more points. Mm -hmm. And uh, generally, if you, if you do just like two or three of the harder challenges, which really aren't too hard, um, that's enough points to get yourself a free phone. Oh, that's pretty so awesome. Just, that just shows you how, um, how easy it is to get these points. In addition to that, there's um, quizzes. So if you're not really up to speed on notifications, they might have a notification quiz where you watch a, a video that explains about how to do notifications. Mm -hmm. Then afterwards, there's a five-question quiz. If you get all the questions right and everything is explained in the video, you get 50 or 100 points. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be an active developer. In fact, I know somebody who's a hobbyist developer. He's, he's not a developer during the day. And he's got himself a, a wireless charger for his Windows phone just by taking quizzes. Okay. Yeah. For those of you that don't know Carl, I mean, he's like a walking, talking, uh, windows phone store. Uh, first of all, he's got, you know, last time I saw you, I think he had uh, like 50 phones laid out on a table. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yep. And, uh, it's like, you're, you're always trying to sell these things, even though I know you don't necessarily get anything for it, but, uh, I, you know, you can tell you really love the platform. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also a social aspect to the develop program too. They, you know, once you're into it, they have you on the leaderboards where you can compare yourself to everybody else. So you can get into a nice friendly competition with other people as well. Okay. So it's just, it's just a real fun thing to be part of. If it's something that you're already doing and interested in, it's just a little bit more motivation to keep you engaged. Okay. So it's just really nice how they've kind of gamified what you may already be doing and may already be liking to do. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much everybody should be checking that out, right? If they're interested at all in Windows phone development. Absolutely. Okay. Excellent. Um, the other thing that I've been doing is I just wrote a blog post about uh, preparing live tiles for your app for Windows phone 8.1. Mm -hmm. One of the new features is instead of just having your theme color on all of the tiles that, um, you can select an image and the image will be on all of the tiles. And I had realized that a previous post of mine that I put out was really good for explaining how to create a custom live tile mm -hmm. in code and being able to visualize that and saving it off. But you couldn't get this new feature with that. Um, the problem was is built in to the writable bitmap, um, you can save as JPEG out of the box. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were passing in a color. Well, okay. just in my initial testing, I'm like, well, just change it to colors.transparent. That's easy enough because it's the tr having a transparent background, whatever is a transparent pixel, mm -hmm. it's swapped out with the image. So I tried that and I just got a black background. I'm like, what the heck? This mustn't work. <laughs> right. maybe, maybe my whole technique is flawed. Mm -hmm. Well, I was sitting there a couple of days later and I, then I realized it's because JPEGs don't support transparency. Right. If you pass in transparent, you get black. So once I slap my forehead, I realized that um, there's other libraries out there. I, I actually found three different methods. I did a little bit of uh, performance testing because 
I am doing this in the background and you're memory limited. Mm-hmm. I, I picked uh, the library I ended up with was image tools. It's on CodePlex, mm-hmm. and uh, replacing my one line of code that dot save JPEG with uh, three other lines of code. Um, I was now able to save it as a PNG and I just passed it in my transparent background. And um, now you can use that same technique to uh, support those new uh, images on, on your tiles. Okay. So is the default JPEG then that it saves it as? Well, in, in the, the default with this package is, is not, you can. Um, well, in, in windows phone itself, what is, what is the default? Cause I, cause I see this save JPEG method here. Yeah, that's the only method that they provide using the writable bitmap method. Okay. So using my technique, you're creating a user control, mm-hmm. and you can just save that out as, as an image. But they do not supply uh, another method in order for you to save it as a PNG or any other format. Oh, okay. So really what I had to do is using this, um, you just create a PNG renderer and then use that in, in the pipeline to mm. render your image out as you need it. Yeah. I mean, in general, that seems like a better way to do it anyway, because JPEG, you know, that's a lossy, a lossy image format. Mm -hmm. Now there could be a few more optimizations. I mean, this is not a compressed PNG because, you know, PNG file sizes can get out there Mm -hmm. in in size. So there could be a few more optimizations to this method even yet, but as Mm -hmm. a, as a quick go ahead for people who are trying to prepare themselves um, for everybody else to get windows phone Mm 8.1. If you look at, most of the updates that are coming through, most of them say preparing for the new image or, or live tiles. Mm-hmm. So I thought yeah, it was I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been watching my, uh, my start screen slowly transition over to having more and more tiles be uh, transparent. Yeah. And, and it was something I thought would be kind of gimmicky when they announced it and I saw the initial things, but now that I actually have 8.1 on my mm-hmm. devices, it really is one of my favorite features it's a nice way to customize your phone mm-hmm. that's different than all of the other smartphones out there yeah i i totally agree and in fact uh for the first few days i didn't even turn it on i, I thought it was really gimmicky and i said i would never use it and uh, i think i was on a plane i got a little bored and i said okay well let, let's let's give this a try and i actually uh got a tool let me look up the name for it i don't know if you've checked this one out um it's called zedge and it's, oh, uh, yes. yeah, it's got ringtones and wallpaper. So I, I actually downloaded that app because it had, I didn't want to have to worry about getting a whole bunch of different images in here. So I downloaded that application and I tried out a couple of different backgrounds. The best backgrounds seem to be the ones that don't have any, uh, how would you say it, like hard edges, you know, something that the sort of general. So I have, mine's just a picture of a galaxy. And uh, I, so I turned that on and I mean, the phone, the whole, the, the start screen just looks uh, beautiful on it. It it really does look amazing. And as you're scrolling it, it gives it that nice effect. It's not, it's not like iOS where you're, you know, you're turning the phone and you're, you're getting that, that sort of motion sickness feeling. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, this is, this is pretty nice because it looks good and it, and it, it still feels flat, but it, it does give it some depth if that makes sense. Yeah, it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they did a great job on that. Um, I can't even really imagine any additional ways to make that better at this point. Okay, cool. So uh, what have you been up to, Jason? Oh, it's been pretty crazy. So I'm on uh, week four or five traveling. I happen to be home today, but uh, I've been traveling for the past four weeks. Next week, I'm going to be out in uh, out in Redmond again. And uh, 
Um, it's kind of interesting because I'm going to be um, I'm going to be out there for a hack fest. And and for those that aren't familiar with it, there's a lot of different definitions of a of a hack fest. But uh, we, what we've been doing, what what my team in particular has really been embracing, is this this hack fest culture. We've been working with different partners, bringing them in, and um, just spending a week or even just a couple days, kind of exploring new technology and and just trying, trying some things, you know, we bring in a whole bunch of people from different teams or, you know, we always have a couple subject matter experts, but it's think of it like a sort of like a super sprint. If you're, if you're doing agile, you know, you have like a normal sprint where you have, you know, these certain things you need to get done in this case, you know, the, the, the requirements are, are a little bit less defined, but you're using, you know, maybe more experimental technology or, you know, technology you just haven't used before. Um, so the one I did uh, a few weeks ago was using uh, AngularJS and we were using uh, CouchDB and uh, PouchDB, which synchronizes with uh, CouchDB, um, you know, those types of technologies. So it was a good, um, it was just really good for everybody involved to, to learn new technologies. And what's really nice about it, it's not, it's not just what you get out of the, the HackFest itself, but, um, you know, what we're, what we're starting to see is a lot of companies are starting to adopt, um, a hack fest culture. So, you know, I've been going around telling people the, the success that we've had with, with different partners. And I've had so many people tell me, Hey, you know, we should be doing that too. It's a great way to do R and D. So, um, you know, blocking off a week and having, having a particular development team, just work on something new, you know, the code might end up getting thrown out. Some of it might stick, um, you know, it might, might just get completely rewritten, but every single one of these I've been to, everybody has found it incredibly valuable. So I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing a lot of companies use this and it, it, you can even set these things up on the weekend. You could just pick, you know, a Saturday and Sunday. I've had a couple, uh, working on my manufacturing framework. I know some of your colleagues who helped out with that. We'd come in for two days. Uh, you know, we get there nine o'clock, start banging out some code and um and just have a really good time and it was really just a kind of an informal event and you know we always went went down a couple paths where we where we just threw out everything that we had worked on for that particular thing and maybe we learned something along the way and then there were other features where we just learned a ton around it um and and we just wouldn't have done that being in that normal day-to-day work mindset where you know you have to always be delivering value um you know, in this case, sometimes you just go down some paths that, that might pan out and they might not. Um, it's, it's sort of like this, this startup mentality, mentality where, you know, you might, you might hit it big and you might bust. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it just, I, like I said, I've been, I've been seeing a lot of companies that, that are really interested in this. I think this is one of the, the big things that we're going to see over the next couple of years is, is companies figuring out how to have these, you know, disruptive internal events at their company and, and, and sort of move the culture forward. Yeah. So what kind of focus or goal do you have for the, this upcoming hack fast or hack fest that you have? Um, so this one in particular right now, most of the, you know, the, the actual goals are, are, um, um, you know, they're not public at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one in particular, we have a, we have a whole bunch of really smart people coming in. Um, I know that we're going to be using backbone JS, which I haven't worked with. I've worked with angular, but not backbone. So I get to learn that, um, you know, there's, there's definitely an Azure component to it. Um, I think there's some, some mobility. So uh, honestly, um, you know, I don't have all the, the details on this one yet. Um, hopefully in a few weeks I can share that if you watch, 
not my boss's blog, but my 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 one over one's blog, who's uh, John Shuchuk. He's a technical fellow at Microsoft. If you check out his blog, he likes to uh, post about these things. So he posted about a, a manufacturing um, hack fest that I did with Skyline. Um, he also posted about one that uh, um, was with um, some people to develop apps for Facebook. Um, and you know, some of these things are public, some are internal, um, but they all sort of have that, that same, you know, startup, um, kind of scrappy, um, you know, get, get a lot done man mentality or, you know, this, this mentality of, of exploration and, and maybe you, um, you know, you, you always get something out of it, but you don't know what that is ahead of time. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Yep. So that, that's my next week. Um, so one other thing I want to talk about, you probably noticed that I sound, uh, probably about a thousand times better than last week. Um, I actually posted, uh, a comparison on Twitter and we can put it in the show notes as well, but I have a comparison of old, my old headset versus the new audio setup. So I actually, uh, went out and I, I talked about this before, but I, I, I basically took, uh, the advice of, uh, Ryan Laudermilk and I bought, um, the same equipment that they use for the. Uh, the Windows Developer Show, and so I got the the Heil PR40 microphone, the Spider mount. Um, you know, the I have the the uh, the boom mount here hooked up. Um, I even have the compressor gate limiter, so that if uh, you know anytime that I'm not talking, you don't hear any of the background sound. And this thing, it just works amazing. And then I have the interface to go into USB into the computer, and uh, so the podcast is slowly getting better in quality. Um, I know we're, I'm working with you to figure out what, what we're going to get on your end. I can hear your, your chair creak every once in a while. And what's great about, uh, the hardware that, uh, that I'm using on this end is, you know, this microphone does an amazing job of cutting out background noise, but when I'm not talking, it's actually, you know, cutting out any kind of sound too. So, um, as time goes on here, we're just going to keep improving the, the technology that we use on the show so that it's just a, it, you know, it, with, with something like a podcast, the the, um, you know, con it, it's just like anything else. Content is absolutely king, but you don't want, um, you know, you don't want bad audio quality to, 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 uh, kind of bring it down a notch. So we're just trying to make it so that that doesn't stand in the way. Yeah. We really just like the content to stand out and not you to be annoyed by our dogs or my creaking chair or anything <laughs> else like that. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to figure out what to order you. I have a pretty good grasp. I think this is a, I have a pretty, a fairly minimalistic setup on my end. There might be a couple components that we can take out on, on your end or, or just, or swap out uh, different variants. But, um, but yeah, I, I think we're, I think we're getting pretty close to having that worked out. So our next show, I think we're going to end up recording in two weeks. I don't know when we're going to publish each one, but uh, by the next show, then you should have pretty good audio too. So we're, we're going to sound really good at that point. And then I also wanted to talk about you know, whenever we're talking about podcasts in general, I was, um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and it's also part of the reason why we, we started the podcast, you know, the, the, the world has changed. If you, if you look over the past 10 years, as far as getting content out there, I mean, um, probably about five years ago, um, five, six years ago, my, you know, my blog, I was getting, I had, you know, thousands of uh, subscribers via RSS on there and we sort of seen, not the, not the demise of RSS, but it's, it's definitely gotten less popular. You know, RSS readers were, were all the rage at one point. And, um, so we're seeing, you know, in general subscriber numbers for, for most things go down. Um, you know, a lot of that's been replaced by Twitter, 
And I'm sure you've seen this, you know, if you put something out on Twitter, you really have a, maybe a two or three hour window where people are going to see that content. And, Mm -hmm. and honestly, we've, we've all got ADD these days. You know, we, we click on something, read a few sentences and we're done. So, um, you know, there, there is still some popular long form content out there. I, you know, I won't deny that, but I think that, um, things like podcasts are, are getting popular because people can use that to fill in their free time or they can listen while they're at the gym or, or something like that. Um, so I'm hoping that we're getting a whole different audience here and, and finding a group of people, group of listeners that are, that are up for this long form content. Yeah. And it's really a, a form of contact that I, content that I personally enjoy consuming myself. I, I, I love mm-hmm. technical podcasts. Yep. I like it when they're a little bit longer. I like it when they go into detail mm-hmm. and, uh, to a point, once you get into this kind of technical, you know, depthness, there's not a lot of excellent content out there. So that's why mm-hmm. we're here trying to fill in our little, our little piece of the, you know, what's missing. Yeah. And, and with blogs, I mean, it's been, uh, you know, for since, since the beginning of blogs, I think a lot of people were saying, Hey, everybody should have a blog. Everybody has something to give. Um, and you know, I think it was Jeff Atwood that was always talking about how, if you, if you don't blog, if you solve a problem and you don't blog about it, you know, it just doesn't have much value. It, it, it helped you, but it didn't help anybody else. And, um, so, you know, I think that applies to podcasts too. I think, you know, it's getting easier and easier for, for people to create their own. And and anytime you shift the power to the content creators like this, I think that's, I think that's great. And, and we're just, we're going to take advantage of that. We'll, we'll be here and, um, and, uh, just be on another medium. And I, I think more people should do this. Um, everybody has sort of a niche that they're, you know, that they're interested in and, and why not talk about it? Um, and then, you know, I talked, we talked about this a little bit before the show, but, uh, I have, you know, there's people on my team that I want to bring in. There's, there's a lot of people that we do want to talk to and we want to have these in-depth discussions. So I'm really looking forward to a lot of the people that we can talk to. Definitely. Honest so, news. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, so the big one, the big bomb, uh, Microsoft officially acquired Nokia. Uh, this was the numbers aren't quite in yet, but it it sounds like it was, um, a little bit more than the $7.2 billion estimate, but, um, you know, whatever comes in at, let's just, let's just round up and call it a cool, uh, $8 billion, you know, no big deal. And, uh, 25,000 employees joining Microsoft. So I, I welcome you to, uh, to Microsoft. Um, I don't know if I have seniority over them, (laughs) (laughs) hopefully. So I, I've, I've been at Microsoft longer than, uh, you know, 25,000 plus people now. So that's great. And, uh, one thing that I also found interesting as, you know, this morning I was coming through all all of the news, this was blowing up Mm because today. The, the 25th was the official day that the change yep. over happened. They yep. already had pictures. There was cranes taking down the Nokia signs on some of the buildings and putting up the Microsoft signs. Nice. So, I mean, I thought that was amazingly quick on that turnaround. Yep. Yep. That, that's awesome. <laughs> um, a couple other things happened this week. Um, this one was great. I, I downloaded this one pretty much immediately. This, uh, the, finally the remote desktop preview for windows phone. So this came out for iOS and Android first, the remote desktop client for those, those platforms. And I was insanely jealous that we didn't have it for windows phone. And I have, um, you know, I talked about before, but I have the, the Lumia 1520, which is a 1080p screen. 
And uh, I, I was actually visiting a, a partner whenever uh, whenever I, I first got this app and, and we we started talking about it because they had, they had all downloaded it as well. And I got a kick out of it because the, the screen on my phone is actually higher resolution than on my laptop. So I remoted in my home computer and it actually had more detail than if I remoted in through my through my laptop. But this it, it, it works really good. And for for doing something real quick um, on the road, I, I, I just think this is, this is way more useful. I, I had people ask me, well, th this, you know, how useful can this really be? Well, it's really useful. If you have, if you have a, a file that you need to throw somewhere, um, you know, I don't know. I, it, it's not even the, the things that, um, um, that you can think of now. It's those situations where, um, you say, oh crap, that's, that's, I, I need to do something on my home computer. And uh, we don't even know what those are yet, but they're going to come up. Yeah. Or if you're like us and have multiple computers and tablets and stuff all throughout, yeah. you know, it's great to access all of those. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so have you, um, how much have you used the app? Have you, did you just try it out or have you used it quite a bit? Find um, good uses? I've used it to kick my kids off of the computer. Um, <laughs> um, they did not enjoy that so much, Okay, but, but no, I, I haven't That's really played idea. it. I've only just played with it a little bit other than that. Okay. Yeah. My, my only complaint, and it's not even about the app, it's actually about windows itself. Um, and it's kind of a, a, a silly complaint, but the, um, not all editions of, um, of windows support remote, a remote desktop server. Um, so, you know, remote desktop server has been in, in windows, you know, forever, but it's always been in, in specific editions of it. So if you have, um, man, I don't even know what the editions are now. Like, I know um, Home Basic is that is that still that was Windows Seven. What are the different editions of Windows Eight? There's Pro. There's, there's Home and Pro. Home and Pro. So Home, I don't think has it. Pro does. So on my uh, on my tablet, as an example, I actually actually just traded tablets with my wife. I had a I had a Surface Two, and uh, she had a Dell Venue Pro Eight, and she's going uh, she's actually going back to school, and she said, Hey, I need a laptop. So I I was actually going to get rid of the Surface because of the the Lumia fifteen twenty is sort of filled that gap. And, uh, I said, well, why don't you take my surface? It's got full office on it browser. You know, it's not going to make any difference for, for anything you're working on with school. And it's got the, the keyboard right there and you can hook up an external mouse, all that good stuff. And, uh, so I got the, the Dell venue pro eight and I, I wish this thing had a remote desktop server, but, um, I might have to, I might have to upgrade it to get that functionality. Yeah. Um, looking on our, our next item is another app. Have you played with the project my screen app that came out? Yep. It was actually with that same partner. They wanted to see something in windows. So I, uh, actually, uh, and I'll, I'll have you, uh, talk about this a little bit, but I, I, I downloaded the desktop app for it. I plugged in the USB cable. I hit project my screen and nothing happened. Did yep. you have the same experience? Yes. So most people have already plugged their phones into their computers at some point. And mm -hmm. when you do that, in order for anything to happen, uh, Windows has to acquire the drivers and install them. Mm -hmm. Well, this requires the most recent drivers, which if you've ever plugged your computer in, aren't going to happen. So mm -hmm. in order to get the Project My Screen to work, um, Cliff Simpkins um, has a, a set of published instructions on how to go and clean up your existing drivers. Mm -hmm. Once you've done that and you're back to square one, as far as your phone drivers are concerned, you just plug it back in with the uh, app running 
and it auto detects your phone. Your phone puts up a little dialogue saying, hey, do you want to share your screen? And now you have a, uh, on your monitor or projector or wherever it's hooked up to, uh, you can uh, do stuff on your phone and it'll project mm -hmm. up there. The other cool thing is um, using your mouse or if you have touch input, you can be on your monitor mm -hmm. and you can manipulate the image that's there and it'll control your phone as well. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's like dead on. It's, there's no lag. It's, you know, no. whenever you use something like um, on the Apple platform, if you do a um, uh, airplay, you know, there's, there's a lag. It's not bad. I mean, it's a fraction of a second, but mm -hmm. um, with this, I mean, it's, it was as I was flipping through the phone, like all the animations, everything was just perfectly smooth. So it was a really great experience. Yep. And it shows where your finger is or fingers. I've gotten all mm -hmm. 10 of my fingers to show 10 dots on there. <laughs> um, a little bit harder that I don't have the 6.3 inch screen like you do, but yep. uh, um, yeah, it works flawlessly. Um, as somebody who gives an occasional presentation on Windows Phone, I'm really looking forward to using this to present, uh, <laughs> no longer having to rely on the emulator, which is still good. It's just easier to manipulate a phone in front of you than it is the emulator. Yeah, I remember the last time you did a presentation, or at least, at least the last one I went to, and it was it was kind of awkward uh, because, yeah, you had to either use the, the emulator or if you used a real phone, you'd have to use a camera, and uh, it, it just wasn't that great. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this, and we'll put the uh, links in the show notes on on how to reset your drivers and to get that all working too for everybody. Okay. So um, I saw we were, we were chatting last night, and um, uh, you you sent over or you you sent me a message saying that uh, now we could we could actually pin our website to uh, Windows Phone or Windows 8. Do you want to talk about how you did that and what what's involved in that? Yeah. So now with uh, IE 11 and even I, I believe IE 10 before it, mm -hmm. you could pin a website and it'll show up on your on your start screen. And uh, now you can even get that with uh, notifications. So if you uh, go to our site, msdevshow.com and pin it to the start screen now, um, every time that we push a new show um, and you'll see that on our blog, um, that new information will go uh, to your live tile mm -hmm. and you'll see that we have a new show. So there's a real simple way to do it. You could go in the documentation and you make a few image files, which aren't too bad to do. And then uh, it gives you a list of either meta tags to do, or you can build an XML file. Mm -hmm. But the route that I took is there's a website called build my pinned, build my pinned site.com mm -hmm. a little bit of mouthful, but um, you go there you enter in the, the title that you want. So in our case, MS Dev Show. Step two is you upload an image. It tries to resize them. I wasn't quite happy with them, but you can adjust that later. Okay. And then you put in an RSS feed. And since um, that's what I needed to talk to you about last night yep. is I needed that feed. Um, I plugged that in and then it gave you um, instructions how to use both methods. Okay. I decided to use the one that is... Um, with the XML file mm -hmm. because it keeps the H, uh, HTML a little bit cleaner. Okay. You only have to put one meta tag in and then the rest, um, because it's IE and windows, it knows how to look for the rest of that. Okay. So it basically reads at this point, it reads the XML file and, and there's instructions for, uh, give me the last in our case, five blog posts and it'll rotate through them, um, on the start tile. If you have it pinned. 
Okay, so I'm out at msdevshow.com right now. So I'm going to see this. I just did a view source. Um, so you ended up putting something into the source, correct? Yeah. So, so there's a, a meta tag okay. that's application da dash name. Oh, yep. There it is. Okay. MS Dev Show. Got it. Yep. And once it sees that, it knows that there's a, that specific XML file. Mm -hmm. Can't remember the name off the top of my head, but okay. it's browser dash something.xml. Okay. And so that's it goes and looks for that file. It goes looks for that file. Okay. And then the, the rest it handles on itself. So it's really simple to add. And mm -hmm. um, if you want people to be able to interact with your site a little bit more, it's really nice, especially uh, on the phone. Mm -hmm. It's nice that that happens now as well. So how long does this take to set up? It, including waiting for you to get the me the feed, it took five minutes. <laughs> hey, I, it only took me five minutes. <laughs> hey, at the at the same time, I was I was booking some travel, and my uh, my wife uh, I had to add since I just given I gave her the the Surface Two, I had to go on there and add in the printer, um, and uh, and I was chatting with you, so I yeah. was um, multitasking I mean, with three things. Yeah, I mean, uh, I already had the base uh, image that we wanted. It was our show logo. Yep. So, I mean, it would take you however long it would do to generate that image. In our case, we already had that, so that was already done. Um, and between just, you know, opening up our source control and punching all that in, it was less than five minutes. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So if you go out to MS Dev Show, do a view source, you'll see that, that meta tag in there. Yeah, um, and in case you want to pin our app, um, you do it from the Metro IE browser. Um, right. you, you tap on the star. And then once you do that, um, it'll go up a little bit and you um, there'll be a... Uh, an icon that looks like a push pin. You mm -hmm. tap that and it'll allow you to uh, pin that to the start screen. Then if you're on the windows phone, you uh, browse to the site, open up the settings, and then you can uh, save it to the start screen as well. Okay. So what if I, what if I'm on my surface Two and this, this might be, there might not be any good answer to this. If I'm on there and I, and I don't have, or actually if I'm, if I'm on my desktop and I don't use the, the modern, version of IE. Um, cause I, I think that that pinning works different, right? It's, it's going to pin it different. Correct. It, you cannot pin it to your start screen from the desktop version of IE. Okay. You have to go through the Metro version. Okay. And if you, do, cause I think if you do it through the desktop version, you just get a big E, right? The big blue E. I believe either you yeah, get an E or you like. only saves it into your favorites and it doesn't actually go to the start screen. I'm not sure how that works. Okay. And if you go out to, uh, it looks like it's browserconfig.xml. I was just looking through the, the source changes. So if you go to uh, msdevshow.com slash browserconfig.xml, if you take a look in there, you can see see with the code that uh, Carl added in. Yeah, and it's only about 10 lines. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay. All right. Now, I believe next you wanted to talk to you about the new uh, changes to Azure SQL. Yeah, so there's there there was um, some changes that, that just came out. So there's some new tiers of of uh, it's basically uh, the the current name of it is SQL Database, which is a little confusing um, because when you say SQL Database, some people think that that's on prem, um, but it's actually SQL Database is the is the cloud version of uh, SQL Server. So it's it, you you can actually take uh, SQL Server, install it into a virtual machine up in Azure and and just run a regular SQL server but we also provide 
a cloud-based, you know, cloud-first based database. And the advantages of that are, you know, there's things like, um, you know, it's, it's automatically replicating both within the same data center and then it's making, you know, it, it's it's making those copies um, in, in other data centers so that uh, you don't have to worry about any of those management details. So you can start out with a real small database and it, it you know, it, it the price is really reasonable to, to get started on this, but then you can also scale this up. So the big announcements this week were, um, first is that, you know, there's a premium option of this where you can actually pay to get, um, you know, predictable latency and predictable performance within your database. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a, a, a long road, but SQL database up in Azure is finally, um, you know, it's been getting more and more mature and it's really the, the new structure, the way that it's uh, split into the three groups now is really showing the maturity of it. So I'm going to pull up the page. Um, so there's three different, there's three different SKUs and we'll put a link to the, the, um, announcement in the show notes, but there's basically, um, uh, there's a basic edition, standard edition, premium edition. Um, what's interesting is the SLA on these has, has been bumped up across the board. So it's 99.95%. Uh, um, I believe it's a financially backed SLA for all of those. Um, the other interesting thing is you can make a database up to 500 gigs now, um, which is, that's a, actually a pretty huge database. Um, and then for each of these, like I mentioned, there's, there's different performance, performance metrics to hit. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, like when to actually use this type of thing. So now, one thing, I, oh, go ahead. I, I have a question for you in particular. Yeah. Can you explain the lowest end tier a little bit? Because as mm-hmm. a lot of people that, you know, may have very small sites mm-hmm. or have, um, that just require a little bit of data and they don't want to pay a whole lot. You know, how does that low end compare? I mean, a lot of us are more familiar with the higher end enterprise stuff, but yeah. for somebody who may want to make a site for a local business or a personal site, or, mm-hmm. you know, for a, a local organization, we may be a part of, can you explain how that low end may affect that or, you know, what, how well that would be a fit for those situations? Yeah. So what's, what's actually always been the case, it, it the pricing did drop a, a little bit, I think on the low end. Um, it looks like the preview pricing right now is two fifty two dollars and fifty cents uh, per month um, for the entire month, and I I think you also have to pay for uh, for data size. I I don't believe with this product, you know, a lot of the information is still coming out. I don't believe that you have to pay for ingress and egress of data, mm-hmm. but but for let, let's say you're running a, a blog that happens to have a SQL backend or um, if you're just running, you know, a pretty basic website where where cost is a consideration. I mean, this the cost pretty much doesn't even register on this. To to be honest with you, it's going to be a few bucks, and it's going to get you that functionality. Um, if if pricing is a concern, um, you know, if if it's and if you ha- pricing is going to be a concern, obviously, as you get into the larger database sizes or you have higher requirements, and you're going to pay more. And that and that's I mean, that's what's nice about the cloud anyway. Is it it scales up and it scales down. So it scales down in the fact that if you don't use much, you don't have to pay much. Um, and if you, if you have real, real high requirements from a performance and data standpoint, then you can pay more and, and get those types of things. Um, so, you know, SQL obviously provides a relational data store. And the mistake that a lot of people make is they, they have an on-prem application and, uh, it's got a SQL database and maybe it's not even that big, but they, they just take that and they, they just shove that into uh, a SQL database up in Azure. And, and that's fine. Um, you know, if it's, if, if you're not, 
If you're not doing a lot of transactions, a lot of queries on that, that that might work. I mean, that would be kind of an intermediate step to getting your application up there. Mm -hmm. But if you have an application that has a ton of data um, and you have these these higher performance, you know, any kind of requirements across performance or um, backups or anything like that, um, you know, my general recommendation, and it obviously varies by architecture, but there, there's other storage mechanisms in place. So there's, there's a blob and table storage as an example. So table storage in Azure is a basically a key value store. So you can take, you can take, uh, you know, a simple object, um, you know, let's say it was a person object and it's got name, age, address, those can be different attributes in that object. And you can save those into a table store and it's a real, it's a really easy, easy way to do that. And the nice thing about table and blob storage is the, is the scalability aspect of those. So in one account or in one, uh, one storage account you can have, I think it's the limit today is 200 terabytes. And, um, these things are meant, you know, to, to have partition data where you can, um, you can scale up to that and have, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of clients hitting against different data and it, it will handle that. No problem. It, it doesn't have, um, you know, some of the same architecture restrictions that a relational database has. So, you know, they're, they're just, they're meant to scale in a completely different way there. It's really a cloud native way of building uh, databases. The, the other part of that is, is the fact that, you know, again, it's whenever you put something in there, it's doing that replica within the same data center, but then it's also doing, and that's a synchronous replica, but it's also doing an asynchronous copy to a, a different data center. And there's actually some options now where you can access that data. And the pricing on, on table and blob storage has, has dropped significantly. I mean, it's, it's getting absurdly cheap. It's, it's getting low enough now that, um, you know, you could consider, you know, I'm actually considering, uh, if I, if I have any more drive failures, um, you know, augmenting some of my, my storage within my own house here, with uh, Azure storage and, and using that and, and having that, um, you know, replicate my data and, and be available up there. So, um, and I, so I don't know if you're using any of these, uh, have you, have you, you've worked with some of these, right, Carl? I think you've worked with probably all of them, right? Yep. Okay. Um, and like I said, the, the big thing with, with table and blob storage too, you know, in our history and the application that uh, um, you and I had worked on, I know we were, at one point we were using uh, table storage and uh, um, to increase performance there, we were doing a whole bunch of asynchronous uh, parallel operations um, to get really good performance out of that. And that's really one of the, the big advantages. Whenever you're doing like local dev test, uh, SQL database, will it will work great. Um, whenever you put it, whenever you start throwing a whole bunch of users at it, um, like I said, depending on your requirements, it might make more sense to look at some of these other storage options. The other thing you can do is take a look at blob storage where you have, you know, complete control over what gets stored. You can come up with your own file format. As an example, you can be compressing that, you know, using, um, some kind of binary serialization. And then what's great along with that is using a SQL database to do the indexing of that. So if you want to find a piece of data really quick, you look in your SQL database, you, you make a query saying, Hey, where do I go get, you know, this big chunk of data, you know, it could be like images or let's say it was sound files. Let's say we wanted to host this blog in uh, blob storage. What we would end up doing uh, most likely is, is creating a SQL database. Um, and we'd have, you know, a table, uh, let's call it episodes. And we'd have a row for each episode, which would have the title and, you know, maybe categories or, you know, whatever the metadata is. And then it would have, um, 
you know, a URL in there that gives us the location in blob storage of the actual wave file. And maybe there's a wave file, an MP3 format, you know, a couple different files. Um, so we, we get that really fast lookup time, but then we also get the really low cost of the blob storage. And if we want to have 10,000 people, you know, I'd love to have that kind of audience, uh, all want to download at the same time. It would just, it would be a non-issue for blob storage and they could hit, you know, directly against that as an example, based on the, on the permissions. Yeah, I've used Blob Storage quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. and it, it actually is a surprisingly easy to work with. When you mm -hmm. when you look at it, when you're not used to that concept of what what a blob is and how that works, it, you might not be able to understand how useful that is. But mm -hmm. once once you get that, we're able to really uh, give some unexpected per performance to our apps mm -hmm. by utilizing that properly. Yeah, and even if you want to, you know, if you're between us developers, if I want to send you a big file, honestly, one of the best ways to do it is to get something, uh, you know, get uh, one of these tools that lets you interact with blob storage. It's pretty easy to set up a uh, cloud explorer or something like that. And, um, you know, take that file, upload it into a blob and then send you the address and, and the key or, or, you know, set it up however I want to. So that depending on whether or not I just want you to have access to it or other people have access to it, just do it that way. It's a great, it's a great place to put it. And it costs pennies. I mean, I have um, I have quite a few assets out there, um, image files and, and things like that that people can download. And uh, I've even put um, like virtual machines in there. And uh, I'll get my bill, and it's you know it's pennies every month. I think my last bill was like twenty three cents. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So the pricing is uh, is really good for those types of things. So. Um, we had talked. You said that um, we, we wanted to add a new segment to the show. Um, cause you, I know that on a regular basis, you're trying out a lot of, uh, new windows eight apps, windows phone eight apps. Um, so we wanted to start doing an app of the week. And, uh, so why don't you tell us what you, uh, pick for this week? Yep. For this week in, in honor of windows phone eight ones, new features. Um, one of the new features that there are is you can assign different notification sounds to different apps. Mm -hmm. So if you want Facebook to give a sound that sounds like Facebook, you can give it that sound. Well, this week's app is called Melodia. Mm -hmm. What it is, it's just collections of common sounds for existing social networks. It has uh, Skype, uh, MSN Messenger, Twitter, Facebook. It, it has those sounds that are used throughout all okay. of their other desktop apps and apps on other platforms. And for the ones that haven't implemented the custom sounds yet, you can preview it by just tapping on it you find out if you like it or not and you can download it and it'll save it in a way that you can go th to your notifications area and click on facebook and say i want this uh facebook notification file to be the sound for whenever it needs a notification so, I've actually so i yeah i haven't looked at this feature yet so so explain to me how this works in in windows phone mm -hmm. 8.1 so um is it a phone feature that lets me customize the sound or does the application have to support it? So the, it's a phone feature that does this. Okay. So in, in the past you had uh, sounds mm -hmm. and uh, ringtones and sounds, and you got one sound for every notification. Now, when you go in there, um, there's a notifications plus actions area. Yep. I'm in there and looking at it right now. So in there, all of your apps that provide notifications, 
-hmm. You can customize if they put a banner up, the little toast message, if there's a sound, if it vibrates. So if you want one to have a sound but not vibrate or vibrate but not have a sound, you can customize that through that notifications and alarms area. Oh, that's awesome. So that's where you that's where you set that. And this Melodia app simply lets you gives you access to those sounds that you may not know where to get them. Okay. So uh, what's nice is I, I put the Skype app uh, sounds in for mm-hmm. Skype. And now instead of getting that, that double ding, that is the default notification sound, I get the little bubbly Skype sound whenever Skype is. So I, I know when I hear that, you know, do I want to pay attention to that? Oh, this is amazing. I've been wanting this. I didn't know that uh, I didn't know it existed. So I'm glad yep. you brought this one up. And it's, it's also used for your mail. So if you have multiple mail accounts, now all of my mail accounts have different sounds. So, you know, if it's my work one and it's, you know, midnight, I might not want to answer that so fast, mm-hmm. but you know, you can use that to help prioritize your life. I just want some sounds in there that say like Facebook, Twitter, that actually have the words in there so that I know what it is. So I don't have to remember what sounds associated with what. <laughs> yep. And, and what's nice about this app too, is when you're saving those sounds, you can change what the names are. Generally okay. it is Facebook and Twitter, but I just put Facebook notification on mine. So that way I know if in the future, there's like another Facebook sound I may want, mm-hmm. I can name that slightly differently and still be able to tell the difference between the two. Okay. Okay. I just downloaded it. Yeah. So you can search for Melodia in the windows phone app store or we'll also have the link for that in our show notes this week. Oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that or not. Here we go. Well, I can hear it loud and clear. There's WhatsApp, Skype. I like the Skype one. You're right. So it sounds the same as on the computer. Messenger, Facebook. That's awesome. Perfect. This is the app that I uh, I didn't even know I needed, but I, I do need it. <laughs> those are the best excellent okay well before we wrap up this week is there anything else you want to talk about jason i think that covered it it's a little bit shorter show but that that's okay like i said uh we'll be back in uh in two weeks and and by that time we should have you set up with uh even better audio and um um in 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 just a few weeks we're gonna have uh tech ed and there's gonna be a ton of news coming out of that as well so we're gonna have some some great stuff lined up for future episodes Excellent. And uh, you can reach us at feedback at msdevshow.com. You can reach us at msdevshow on Twitter. Uh, We've already started having a few conversations with a few of you out there. Mm -hmm. We welcome your feedback. And uh, once again, our show is msdevshow.com. You can reach me, Carl, at at Carl Schweitzer. And I also run wpdevguide.com. Okay. Yeah, you can find me at ytechie.com. That's Y-T-E-C-H-I-E dot com. Um, and you can find me on uh, Twitter at Y-Techie. 